now. About to witness the awesome crushing might of the U.S. Robinson. Yeah, I did the tears. Show. Showstopper, and uh, last week we didn't start with the screen because she was sleeping, but she is awake now and sort of crying at the screen. Anyway, this is version number one, eight, five. I believe I don't have it open in front of me, but we're gonna do a a bookended version of last week's show, one eight four. Where we discussed, it. I got to assume that some of you are, are not paying attention to this to the substack. So I'm going to cover it, and uh, and then we'll talk about some of the the sort of fight stuff. Uh, uh, per usual, uh, they're all of a piece. The dreadful Uchi, the uh, Fury Wilder. My appearance on Jim Gold, author of Redneck Manifesto Show, late last night. And more, more, more. But first, let's let Bob Riley sing us in as he has since 2007. Stigmata. Intro, All of Nothing. Song is Calling It Adjust. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back and for always nothing. All right. All right. All right, my friends. Welcome to let me let me check. I'm dying to know. I I I, I should have my act a little bit more together, but this is a kind of a perpetual state of affairs. I'm the Eugene S. Robinson show stomper. Uh, but let's call it, let's say it is, uh, oh, I didn't put it up on, on the Facebook page. I guess I have to go here. Uh, I got to go to the Twitter feed. And what do I say? This is all just to figure out what version show this is. I'm going to say it's 185. Maybe some of you could help me before I, I get to it. Is it 185? Mr. Is, is it 185? Tell me. Where am I? I, I am like Billy Pilgrim. <laughs> floating in space, not mindful of where I am. 185, thank you. So uh, commercials, let's get the commercials out of the way since now more than ever, this is important. Pinko95014 at yahoo.com is a PayPal address. Uh, uh, Venmo is at Eugene-Robinson-28 uh, or patreon.com slash the Stomper. How do you like that I know it's the Stomper and no longer Stomperville? Paying attention. I'm cleaning up my act. I'm zipping up my boots, going back to my roots, as the song says. 
So uh, um, I think I'm done with commercials. So, and you're going to have to excuse me that this feels like a two-parter, um, but you do realize for the last nine years, I've been speaking in codes, rhymes, and riddles about very precisely this thing that I can now talk about in very frank terms to you. Did not sign an NDA, did not sign a non-disparagement clause, and that happened on the refusal of my severance package, which I am now supremely sort of thankful for, even though it puts me in financial straits. Or, incidentally, you could send, uh, you could send donations the uh, Tommy Pounds way through the mail. Uh, um, um, but you'd have to have my mailing address for that, and I'm not going to give it to you now. Ah, 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 just figure it out. Intuit it. Uh, intuit it. Um, so anyway, it's a post box. Um, so uh, uh, so <clears throat> last week, I want to catch you up very briefly because I don't want to spend forever talking about this. Last week, uh, what happened is Ben Smith called me on Friday, Reader's Digest. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Is he calling me a liar on national TV? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. That, that, that's pretty funny coming from a guy who's been accused of lying. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still on national TV. People are giving him a forum, huh? You, you know, you know what's very funny about this. What's very funny about this is that somebody said to me in one of these multiple interviews, an investigator said, "If you wanted a guidebook on how to get indicted, <laughs> that's how you do it." <laughs> no honest legal legal person is telling you to go out there and flap your gums, but you keep doing it. Keep doing it, and. and uh, <laughs> It'll come in handy later, <laughs> I'm sure. So, so Ben Smith breaks a story about about um, yeah about the grift. Uh, they start to lose investors. It's revealed that Lorene Powell Jobs, Steve Jobs' widow, hasn't been a member of the Aussie board since 2017, which I sent I sensed because all of a sudden our Christmas parties were bad. And before they were great as they were combined. And we were also banned from her building, if I remember correctly. Um, and it turns out some of the other board members had had scooted, skedaddled a long time ago, unbeknownst uh, to me. Uh, Mark Lazary from the Milwaukee Bucks quit. Caddy Kay from the BBC, who signed up, quit. Um, there were a bunch of other people, prisoners of conscience, who quit. Um, I know this because I was notified via uh, LinkedIn that their their status had changed in terms of employment. Um, advertisers were calling a halt. Uh, there were words of federal investigation, IRS, SEC being involved. Uh, a couple of people sued. Uh, one uh, major investor from LA sued. If you're cooking the numbers about the ads, what were we paying for? Sued to get their $2 million back. And the company was effectively shuttered on Friday uh, over a cold, dark weekend, giving it much thought. Uh, the the uh, former CEO decided he didn't like that former in front of his name, decided to revive on Monday, uh, Ozzy. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing great. I'll probably get to that snake, snake Plishkin. I thought you were dead. So Monday he revives. It goes on what some would call a charm offensive. Uh, but seems to be completely anti-charming to me on all the shows, uh, uh, preponderance of which were uh, uh, black media shows, which is very, like I, I in the new, if you've read the new uh, uh, newsletter, 
the Look What You Made Me Do newsletter, you will note that I said this is the height of chutzpah, the height of chutzpah, <laughs> that you go to black media, which you've systematically been robbing, who's not been able to get $83 million, like uh, CNBC reported that Ozzy had. Keep in mind, this is the same Ozzy that over a year ago froze my, reduced my salary 19% for COVID and then pulled in $3.7 million as part of the government PPP program, which was to prevent layoffs and salary reductions and didn't return it to the people. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's right. Watson claims that they he had a, la- that the company is having a Lazarus moment and that they're back in business. Um, and the page hasn't changed since last Thursday. But of course, you know, even somebody like Charlemagne the God was like, well, how do investors, of which I am one, should have disclosed at the, t- at the top of the hour, now that I am one, uh, 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 get their money back? And there was a great convoluted answer. And then on several shows, they, they asked about me um, publicly. Uh, all I heard that he's, he didn't call me a liar. He said that I was fired, which is actually fundamentally true for refusing to take down the Substack, um, a Substack they told me I could start in October. And I've got written proof, October of 2020. Um, <laughs> so he said, oh, he was fired. Back channel, my discovery was that he had been telling people that I had a criminal record and was a drug user, yeah, both of which are true. Uh, as you well know, I got stopped by the police and gave a false name uh, when I was 19. If anybody cares, on August 28th, I turned 59, incidentally. Uh, so went to jail for a day for false information to a police officer, had the, tra- tra- uh, the, the charge of false impersonation dropped. So there goes the criminal record. And the drug use that I've written about connected to steroids did a whole Aussie confidential on it. So, um, uh, so, uh, so, so nice try, uh, go back to the drawing board. So, but since then there's, there've been many other shoes that have dropped and that's that a lot of people, past employees, people who had been current employees have, have contacted me back channel um, some of them very upset, which I write about in um, I write about in the Substack about. So last week was, you know, um, the background, what was going on, and this piece this week is about um, you know the repercussions of the revelations of what was going on, right? Like you stand up to the bully, the movie ends. Well, the movie doesn't end when you stand up to the bully, right? There are all kinds of things that happen after that. And in my mind, a wrestling coach once said to me uh, uh, something along the lines of, let the good make right this evil wrong. And, 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 and I have to say, you know, nobody's going to accuse me of being a moral stalwart in any way, shape, or form. But I've often used the phrase, and if you haven't heard it before, you haven't been paying attention, violates my sense of fair play. Taking $3.7 million from the government so you don't have to cut people's wages and cutting people's wages at, and diverting that money into, you know, for, for the, the risable Carlos Watson show, if that was where the money went, the $3.7 million, that violates my sense of fair play. Treating people like dogs violates my sense of fair play, you know, um, saying that greatest greatest interviewer on TV, when that came from somebody on your team, trumping that in billboards, 
posters all over America, that violates my sense of fair play. I'm not buying everybody does it. I'm not buying that. Uh -huh. So there are a lot of things I don't buy. The, the politics of, of, of character assassination, personal destruction, I'm fine with, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> because like when somebody called in the old days when you used to have to answer your phone and you didn't know who was getting, when it was like a Russian roulette, a phone answer, you didn't know who was going to say, don't you, I would print my, my phone number on all of the Whipping Boy records, my, my hardcore band. And people go, don't you worry about, and I go, what am I worried about? What, you, you think I'm going to prank call King Prank? You're going to out Creek King Creek? What you, how are you going to, how, what are you going to do? You'll do nothing to borrow, to borrow from a, a real actual criminal, drug user. You'll do nothing. So the, what was what was hitting the, the, the heartstrings were actually at some point um, the New York Times op-ed piece that I did. Uh, uh, what he did was in a very legalistic lawyer way, any fact, he instant, he, he, he questioned every fact so that their fact checking was completely fraught and went on. I went through probably 47 iterations. Every single statement of fact had to be backed up, up to and including the fact that he and I met in September of 2012. I had to dig out emails. Um, 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 you know, I had to dig out emails to, to, to prove, uh, to prove. So, so this was a way to slow the process down, but I was game because I understood it for completely what it, what it was. But in, in this process of going through all of this old material, stuff that I collected from day one, I don't throw anything out. May West said it best, keep a diary. It may keep you. All the stuff I say from the day one and I'm going through and I'm looking through pictures of people in the office you know, Shruti, you know, I'm, uh, I just, I can name names of people, you know, uh, um, people in the midst of time whose maybe faces are familiar to me, but whose names have disappeared and names are familiar to me, but maybe their faces have disappeared. Just all, you know, Jared, just, uh, just all of the people who were, you know, Liz, all the people who were, who like were in, were in with their, you know, eyes open, hearts open. Um, um, you know, uh, you, you know, dreams contributing to this and deciding, okay, my participation here is untenable because I can't keep working 18 to 20 hours. I can't keep coming home crying. I can't keep, but for that period of time, like the Bukowski poem suggests, they were very, very good. And to have, and to have, I mean, it feels very much to me like, <laughs> like, I, like, like being the spouse of like one of the, like, and I mentioned him in the Substack, Carlos Danger, and it's purposeful to use his name, Anthony Weiner. It's like, be, like, we're driving in a car, you decide for five minutes to let the dude drive because you trust him, and, and you're in a fucking ditch in flames. And now you're beating back the flames and you're trying to tell people, but look, look, the chassis is still good. The chassis is fundamentally really good. This is a good chassis. Meantime, the driver is sitting behind the wheel of a flaming wreck saying, you know what? You guys are full of shit. You're full of shit. There's no fire. There's no fire here. 
There's not nothing's burning. What's that smell? I don't know. Maybe you made the smell. Maybe, maybe who knows? Who made everybody smells? Everybody. <laughs> We've come to that. We've come to that. So that's not all that's happened. People have called me upset. The crying. They said he's calling. He. And this is being Watson. What do I do? And I go back to fans of the, the listeners of the show would be much familiar with the portage of A.H. to San Cristobal, the book about the Mossad dispatching secret agents to the jungles of South America, where they found Hitler and they're transporting Hitler back to Jerusalem to put him on trial. And the, in the last communication that that they send that they send to the, the secret agents, they said, whatever you do, don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. They don't hear it. It's garbled in transmission. So as they're transporting this little frail old Hitler back through the jungle, he starts talking. And as he walks, as they go through, you know, the underbrush and, you know, rivers and take boats and, and, you know, he he suddenly, they're getting weaker, (laughs) you know, dysentery and sickness and bad food, mosquitoes, and he's somehow getting stronger. Talk makes him strong. It's a great book. It's a great book. You should read it. Controversial, but interesting nonetheless, because um, there are a lot of things that you can bring to life with talk. Uh, but you know what? As somebody once said in a great MTV dating show, you can't talk your way out of dumped. The, the portage of A.H. to San Cristobal, or I, I may have that, I may have that order screwed up. Portage. Uh, somebody look it up and put a link in. Portage of A.H. Something, something, San Cristobal. I'm writing it for those people just listening on um, on SoundCloud. So look it up, somebody, if you could please, and put the link in. Um, so uh, avoid the phone calls. You know, what can I tell avoid the emails? I don't, well, I'm afraid it's gonna threat it's gonna threaten my, my severance. I don't know, I don't know that they're in a position to do that right now. Last thing, until you hear from a person of authority asking to rehire you, you cannot assume that you are rehired, you know. Um, but however, you can assume, and of course, an outside law firm had been hired to investigate their business practices by Mark Lazary, the billionaire owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. When Lazary left his board position saying they need a crisis management team, I'm not that crisis management guy. Um, when he left, the law firm left with him because they didn't have any, you know, well, I got to go where the guy who's paying us is going. So good luck. So now the company is not being investigated at all by anybody on the non-law uh, side of things. That's a way to put that. So, uh, since, so since then, so I've gotten these calls. And the calls are heartbreaking. You got people with mortgages. Look, 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 look. This is the story of the worker in America. And I always go back to this guy who I met in Gold Gym, Gold's Gym. And he was like, he had a couple of, not howlers, but he had a couple of things that have stayed with me. So it's against the law to make a profit? I said, well, it's maybe how you make a profit. He goes, says you. And this is the raw face of love of capital. And to a certain degree, I like it. Competition is the lifeblood of trade. Let's see some competition, boys. Let's see some let's, let, 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 competition is the lifeblood of trade. Let's see some competition. Let's see some blood. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. 
So the plight of the workers in America, you know, we, you have all kinds of freedoms in America. Your job sucks. Your boss comes in. He's a, he's a weenie wagger, shows, shows you his penis every day. You don't like it, leave. Or you have legal recourse. You could sue. Prove it. Yeah, I understand. I understand the hard, cold take on the workers of America as a bunch of whiners. I got it. But in actual fact, these are these are you know, by, in terms of violation of my sense of fair play, these are real people with real lives, and uh, and uh, it violates my sense of fair play to have them exploited. Like we've gone back to this in terms of the oofsie. It's clear that the bald one has enough cash to pay fighters to eat poop. While he might find that perfectly entertaining, that also violates my sense of fair play. Even if he could make the claim, they don't have to do it. Or like Mr. Marcus once said to me on the set of a, of a porn that he was making after I was doing a profile on him, they knew what the job was when they took it. Yep. So, so, uh, so on, on the outside, you have this kind of deck chairing on the Titanic happening. We're dead. We're alive. We're dead. We're alive. I'm going to plead my case to the court of public opinion. Eugene's a liar. He's a drug-using criminal. <laughs> and keep in mind, if a white guy had said that, if a white guy had gone to that ghetto club, I mean, keep in mind, these are dog whistles that if a white guy had made, he, he'd be canceled. <laughs> You're not going to mention the Stanford thing, but you're going to remember the stop at Stanford for telling the cop that I was Abraham Lincoln. Right? You're going to remember remember that. <laughs> you're not going to remember the father of four, you know, community member and award-winning journalist. Well, you're going to remember the steroids, right? Okay, that's okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. Um, what is that thing? Uh, uh, it's it's a game in which there's only a single winner. And that would be the guy would staying out of jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. JB is exactly right. So um, so you know, on the one hand, I've got the very public face of it, and on the other hand, I've got the private face of people, real people who I know, and in some cases actually care about suffering, up to and including me which is how you can guarantee I've got skin in the game. I understand nobody caring about us, but, it, but I, I, find, I find it irksome. And then somebody said, hey, you know what? You know what? Uh, you must be loving this. And then the claim is made that, uh, a kind of sidelong claim made, that I can read it to you off my phone, that you cost us our jobs. And I go, you can't honestly believe that the problems with Ozzy had to do with the fact that I went on record talking about the problems with Ozzy. <laughs> you can't, you can't believe, you know, um, yeah, 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 exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So on the one hand, it, it's inexcusable, but in the one case it is excusable, but of course dog whistling his way through that. It's just, it's sad and it's a desperate flail. These are the evil forces that I was whispering about for the last nine years. So, um, so, a, a, uh, uh, so that's the public face 
of these these machinations and then um and then the very private face of real suffering of people who don't know where the next i mean you know what doesn't sleep banks your mortgage that doesn't sleep if you if you're lucky enough to have gotten somebody to give you money in the first place you own a house that doesn't sleep bills that i got piled up on insurance and that doesn't sleep i get my insurance through a jujitsu guy <laughs> i suggest you go to him carlos kramer san diego california met him at a ibjgf competition we're in the same division but somehow we, we, we didn't didn't manage to uh, uh compete against each other he's a marine got a good insurance business but he's not letting me slide <laughs> nor should he so so in my mind this is a massive struggle and I, I hate to use these morally loaded terms of good versus evil but uh but you know uh, um I, i'm i'm gonna have to use that feather in the cap black guy call it what you want also also uh um the story has gotten so strange with the with the you know digital voice changing uh, widget with the mental health crisis that apparently only kicked in when a uh, dude gets caught, you know, from the $40 million in question to the massive, you know, grift about the 50 mil and how, you know, factoring in the numbers, you know, to, to, to him pulling his move on TV. You know, well, you said you were friends with the Osbournes. That's not true. He goes, I never said that. I never said that. Pull up the video. Pull up the video. And then, of course, in the written article, they put the video right there of him saying, we're friends now. I mean, you know, the refusal, the Trumpian refusal to go down to say, nah, I didn't lose the election. You know, I didn't, uh, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't lose the election. I, the company is not dead. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know anything about publishing. We're still alive. I would say not, Mr. Is. Uh, I would say not. They make very have made several times very public claims of being teetotalers. You know who else was a famous teetotaler? And for those of you not in the know, these are people who don't consume alcohol. Is it too low for me to identify Hitler as a teetotaler? Does that put me outside the realm of acceptable behavior? Okay, then I won't do it. I won't mention that Hitler was also a teetotaler. I won't say that. So, okay, on a completely parallel path, as you might imagine, I've been interviewed, if you've been paying attention to this all, and I don't assume you have, and you go to the Substack, you might be slightly confused. I put links in the pieces, the two pieces now, so that you can follow along or catch up if need be. But if you've been paying attention, I've been interviewed by Forbes. Uh, um, I've been interviewed by uh, The Rap. I've been interviewed by Fortune. Uh, Axios, uh, CNN Business, uh, Business Insider, um, all of this in 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 the past eight days, and the op-ed in the Times, forty-seven iterations before publish, as well as last week's Substack, all of which could have been avoided if you had paid me. My initial offer was 18 months. Give me 18 months of salary, 18 months of, uh, of health care. We get back on my feet. Older workers take longer to, to find gigs, secondary, you know, follow on gigs. 
Um, that's fine. Let's do that. 18 months. That seems fair to me. And there's not, we're not going to do that. Okay. Well, I'll, get, I'll just be honest with you. I'll give you what I really wanted because I thought you would cut it in half. Nine months, because I know your budget budgeted through the end of the year to pay me nine months. I give us nine months, nine months of health insurance, nine months, and then you rolled my stock over stock options to out eighteen months, which means that I had eighteen months to exercise them before they disappeared. So that means I don't have to write a check for forty one thousand dollars to get my stock. They came back with while I was on the phone with Ben Smith. They said, "Yeah, we'll give you that. Well, we'll 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 give you our counter offer if he pulls down this negative, this negative uh, uh, glass door post." My lawyer says to me, "Did you write it?" I go, "No, I didn't write that. I'm actually offended. You would think I would. Any, anybody who th- thought I write that hasn't been reading my writing ever. Um, of course, and I don't know who's done it. Of course, now I know who's done it. They they outed themselves to me. Um, she was quoted in the CNN business piece. You go to CNN business piece." about the toxic work environment at Ozzy, and you can see who I'm talking about. I don't feel like I'm at liberty to divulge her identity on this show. She goes, that was mine. But they thought because it was in June and I was fired in June that it was me. And that's when I told Ben Smith, you quote me on that. Because you got to know, if I got something to say, I'm going to say it to your face. And if you don't like it, well, let's see where that takes us. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a friend of mine would say he would never eat. He would never eat in a restaurant. Yeah, the Observer as well. He would never eat in a restaurant where the cook could see you. He said he just got a really big burst of paranoia. He's eating there, and he looks up, and he catches the cook's eye, and the cook is like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah," and he's like, "Ah, nah, 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 nah. I'd rather my food be anonymous." The only medium between me and the cook being the waiter or waitress who's bringing me the food, who's way too busy to decide they're going to spit in my food unless I am an ass. So to recap, we got this horrible the kabuki play of, of, of grifters, liars, and cheats, uh, character assassinators, um, malingerers, fault finders. And, and then you've got the real worker bees who've made this stuff happen who are now sniping at each other because they don't know what to do or where to turn and where the next check is, and they've got bills to pay. Then this illusion being amplified by one of the grifters that we're, it's not a grift. You're not unemployed. You're employed. And so it is a, I can't think of any other way to describe it other than a shit show. The fact that two weeks in, it's drawn this much heat and sunlight guarantees single-handedly amidst all of these interviews that I've been doing on the record, um, as a spear point for others, Eva Rodriguez to talk, uh, 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 Nick Forizos to talk. These are hardworking fucking people who broke their necks to enact this dream. And any other organization, they would have won awards. An organization that was subsumed to to, to the, you know, to the vanity of its, or like I said, venal lunacy of its CEO, not so much. Kate Crane, quoted now in the press. I'm not divulging anything. It's in the press. It's drawn so much heat and sunlight that nobody has missed the cinematic possibilities 
therein. And I lay it out in the sub, last week's Substack about if they're going to make a movie about it, I would put into play the head, the lead role. But then I didn't realize it's like Kafka said, the children were given the choice as to whether they would be kings or the couriers of kings. As children would, they all chose to be couriers of kings, which since there were no kings was essentially meaningless. They would have liked to have given up their their game, their miserable game, but for their original oath of service. Kafka said that. And I realized much to my error after I put it out that if I am playing Carlos Watson in The Wizard of Ozzy, the docu, the, the, the fiction film made uh, the the uh, dramatic theatrical film made about the unraveling of Ozzy. If I am playing Carlos Watson, which I could do quite ably, I'm leaving a big gap because who the hell's going to play me? <laughs> uh, no, Morgan. Uh, Morgan Freeman would be a bad me. And he would all, and then he would be a bad, a bad Watson. Um, hmm. So there's a, there's a, there's some kind of confusion. But if if I were to to say that there is no interest, I would be lying. To say that I haven't spent the last week a good portion of my time on the phone with two sets of people, people who want to give me a job, which I really welcome, because I need one. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I would go, I would go, I would go for, uh, I would go. I, I think the, the rage that you sometimes got a feeling for during the shows when I talked about it in sidelong glances, I think Forrest Whitaker could do a good job. I bet you thought I'd, I picked somebody like Gary Dordan, some handsome lead. Yeah, no, that's not how I'm seeing myself. So, you know, um, documentary film people, film people, on the one hand, on the other hand, people wanting to give me actual work, like real work, like a job, which is needed, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um. <laughs> Ray Winstone, <laughs> Mr. Plishkin, Natu- naturally. So, um, in a weird sideline, and I, and I wonder if I can actually talk about this, um, I I think I will talk about it, and and I will immediately text the person who I'm talking about at the conclusion of the show in 26 minutes to let them know. Um, but one of the people that offered me a job, the blandishments were great. The publication is great, <laughs> and I was seriously leaning toward taking it because her that. Ah, their reason for 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 offering it was sound sound professional gamesmanship it was genius the way it laid out i was going to write monday and say i'm taking it and then a compatriot of mine says hey is this the person you talked to and the headline was under boss from hell <laughs> Uh, so I asked the person who introduced me, have you read this piece? And they're like, yeah. Does it jibe with your understanding of the person? Well, they only scream at me. (laughs) They've only screamed at me like eight or nine times. 
<laughs> How could you read any of those substacks and think that that you know what? That's the guy. That traumatized PTSD guy. That that's the guy. That's the guy who I want to hire. One, he won't recognize what I'm doing when I do it. Two, he's used to being treated like a dog and working like a slave. Perfecto. Now I'm in a situation where I don't know what to do. Do I write back and say, hey, uh, you know, um, could you explain this? Why explain? Ah, no. I did due diligence on the other job offer I had. Hey, have you worked with dude? Oh, yeah, I wrote a big profile on dude. And dude's got two point million people. In the, 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 the. Let me ask my friend, the two people who work for the dude, what word came up? Two separate people. Two separate genders. Hell. The word came up unbidden. Hell. And I remember, if you remember the Ozzy story I wrote about when I was friends when I was a kid, and I became friends with the son of the local Ku Klux Klan leader. I discovered the father was a Ku Klux Klan leader because my father told me. <laughs> my father told me after I'd been playing over there. I was like eight or nine years old. And the only reason he says, you're home early. What happened? I go, David's father came home and started screaming at me. I was a New York kid. I started screaming back at him. I didn't know what he was screaming about. David was like, oh, you, you got to go. I, said, ah, I, a, I went home. I said, who are you playing with? Said, David. Oh, David Eford? Yeah, you playing with David you know his father's in, in the clan, don't you? I'm eight years old, Dad. How would I know that? <laughs> you let me go. I could have ended up in a ditch, disappeared by this guy. What are you talking about? He says, well, you know, you make your old friends. But always, the first guy up to you, whether it's prison or school or a job, the first person that cozies up to you is a person you should least be friendly with because what? Because they've blown it with everybody else and they want to get their two cents in before you figure that out. It's never failed from that from that David situation when I was eight years old. All the rest of my life, I've often found that the person who's first cozying up to you is the person who has the most to gain, the least to lose. And uh, and everybody knows that they're a creep, but they figure out, well, if you're a person of discernment, you'll figure it out. It's hard to be discerning. I tell you, frankly, it's hard to be discerning when you're broke. But I also know myself what going to be in a situation, say yes. And the person, you, you, you know, listen, let me, I went out with this girl once and, uh, and she was horrible. And I don't say that I'm not being a jerk about this. I'm just saying, you know, sullen, walking around, smashing stuff. On the, what's the matter? Smashing, sullen, walking around, smashing stuff, hanging up the phone on me. What's, what's the matter? Smashing, what's the matter? What's the matter? People keep asking me, what's the matter? Ooh, hornets in your brain, but I didn't break up with her because I want to see how do I operate under. I mean, this has not my not been my modus operandi in the past, and it probably certainly won't be my modus operandi in the future. Let me see how I operate under stress. Let me stress test Eugene. I put it. I, I put up with it until she had sex with a hairdresser named Vincent. He impregnated her, and then I give, gave her the boot. She went back to D.C., where she was friends with the guys from Scream when Dave Grohl was in it, 
So there's always some weird connection and said, Eugene got me pregnant and kicked me out. And that was a lie that she could maintain until that very Filipino baby was born. <laughs> a Filipino baby who is now, by my counting, this would have been 1982, uh, 83, 38 years old now. Okay. Um, so so you, you, you wonder how you're going to, I mean, that's the only way I can explain nine years at Ozzy. Outside of the fact that I needed the money, I was doing interesting work, and fundamentally, if I wasn't being bullied or waylaid, um, generally, I, I enjoyed what it was that I was doing. And I was with fellow travelers who also were siloed, you know, <laughs> and these, these non-abuse silos, hoping to keep, keep keeping their head down and hoping not to be abused and to get good stuff done. Of course, they did an informal survey amongst themselves and discovered that the white folks at Ozzy didn't weren't treated great, but weren't screamed at. This was something saved for people of color. And very possibly only me. I don't know. No, that's not true. I've talked to a lot of African-American folks who had very negative uh, happenings. So, so what can I say? What can I say? After now 19 minutes away, I will have to decline. I've already declined one job offer. Uh, the one where hell was mentioned twice in the appraisal of the guy. And it's good drag. My mother's a super huge fan of his. Super huge fan and was really pushing me to do it. But I fundamentally figured, you know, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for me to, maybe it's time for me. Look, you know, most of you listening, most of you listening right now and paying attention to this would know that any cool thing that you could do with you and your friends, you wouldn't need $83 million to do it. Or like a friend of mine said, when a serial killer offered her $5,000 to have sex with him, I mean, she didn't know he was a serial killer at the time. She goes, if I want to have sex with you, I wouldn't need any money. We wouldn't need $83 million to do something really cool. None of us in the, within the sound of my voice right now, we'd take it, but we wouldn't need it. So the fact that, and, and drunk, high, and with a criminal record, nonetheless, I could probably come up with at least five concepts out of pocket that would be entertaining as fuck. Not to 50 million people, but it doesn't seem like anyone was, right? New York Times is not getting 50 mil. So subsequent to last week's uh, 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 interview, the op-ed, I can tell you honestly, the Substack typically averaged, I got about 2,000, 2000 views uh, in a week, in a week. So from Sunday to the next Sunday, about 2,000, unless it was like the, the whole Joe Gain, Joe Rogaine piece, which got maybe double that. That was a good week for me. Maybe I had, a, uh, maybe I had two or three people subscribing. Good week, happy. This last week, in a very frank way, I can tell you right now, um, $45,000. Sorry, sorry, not dollars. 45,000 views. I wish it was $45,000. 45,000 views, 49, um, 49 paid subscribers. You can subscribe for $7 a month. 
and then like 60 some odd new subscribers. How'd that happen? Soledad O'Brien picked it up and told people, subscribe to this newsletter. W. Kamal Bell, got that stand-up comedian who's got that show on CNN, told people, subscribe. Various politicals and other media types, stand-up comedian Heather Gold, most recently said to subscribe. I got to tell you, I'm appreciating the outpouring of love and support. It's very nice. Um, So, of course, me being me, (laughs) uh, me... Uh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, yeah, I was fired for lying multiple times. You know, I'm sorry to, to, to di- di- digress here. You know, if you have a problem employee, there's a thing in the Valley called the CAP, Corrective Action Program, which means you write this up. You're right. You'll notice that all of the claims that he's making about my lying have to do with my travel arrangements for shows with Oxbow. International travel that might get screwed up and might having you show up two hours later, 12 hours later, the day before, the day after. Every single one of those multiple lying incidents, the liar Carlos Watson is claiming, were connected to Oxbow or Bunuel tours, which was single-handedly more popular than any crap-filled Carlos Watson TV show that was picked up on YouTube and fundamentally, not YouTube Prime, YouTube that I'm on YouTube. <laughs> you know, live streaming YouTube studio show, just like this one. But the out show, the outpouring of show uh, of love and support has been pretty significant, and and from the cockles of my heart, it warms them. And I got, I got, I'm still unemployed, still got a mortgage that I got to find the money for. That's fine. But it was, and people might have different political reasons for why they why they have chosen to, you know, ch- chosen to help. It doesn't matter why they did it. <laughs> yeah, he, he he denied that there were that I that I, I had uh, I had to write apology letters, and of course I have I've saved everything for the last twenty years, so I had to send those to the New York Times. <laughs> so, so you know, uh, um, I, I, I mean, outside of saying thank you for, for the love and support, of course, oh, I know what I'm saying. Me being me, <laughs> and those of you, those of you who know this show know what's coming next. All these people under the advisement of Soledad O'Brien and Kamal Bell and Heather Gold and the these politicos who have fallen, you know, who are just like, yeah, back, you know, I'm going to back Eugene's play 100%. And now they re- they can get into the Substack and they subscribe with money and then they're reading the old Substacks. It took everything in my power <laughs> to not write this this week's Substack about something like public masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> how to how to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? <laughs> you know the only people who did that more successfully than I can think of were actually NWA, 
We're like all oh, these kind of, you know, New York hipsters. We're like, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, like NWA, they're so great. They're so great. And they're like, you know, rocking the shirts. And NWA, it became like this thing, you know. And then NWA puts out this record, the second record, Evil Snagging, where as a centerpiece of the record, they have to kill a hooker <laughs> with a very realistic, <laughs> with a very realistic audio play of them shooting to death a streetwalker that they were going to rape. And suddenly they are all of their audience of, of New York hipsters disappeared. Imagine that. Now I wouldn't have been that been that extreme, but it was extremely tempting. And that's always working in my head, right? If ever there's a time I'm going to be on TV tomorrow, this big Los Angeles cable station at uh, ten thirty in the morning, and uh, you. Know, <laughs> If you if you want, I'm not a big Woody Allen guy at this point, but if you want a sense of what's working inside me, you have to go back to Bananas, where the guy becomes El Presidente, and he says, every boy under 12 is now 12, underwear that was on the outside, it needs to be on the inside, needs to be worn on the outside, you know, Tuesday and Thursday are combined into one day, that's my heartfelt desire. <laughs> but uh, I somehow battle it back clean up well for the cameras and deliver the truth as I know it. And that's what the Substack does. And if nothing else, it's a breath of fresh air, despite how many people are calling me. You know what? Let me tell you, you call me a multiple liar anyway, you, anytime you want, but um, I'm not the only one quoted in all these pieces, in fact. And, and calling me a liar in no way addresses or ameliorates the lies that were printed up on New York City billboards, on sides of buses, on posters all over America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, JB, that's it. So um, so this is what's been going on, the TV thing tomorrow. Um, in, in 10 minutes, I will uh, let the people know that I can't work for another really difficult boss, that it's probably time for me. Somebody suggested... And I got a meeting Wednesday with a guy who's like, have you thought about starting a media company, Eugene? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. listen, I'm not going to advise anybody to give me $83 million. However, if they want to, that's all right. But, you know, let, 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 let's talk. But, you know, as, as we talk, the clock keeps moving and dudes got to eat. So uh, let's hope that I make a good decision, not a bad decision before the money clock runs out. That's all I got to say. In, and speaking of money clock running out, I was on Jim Goad's show last night. It will not it will not be aired because somehow the, the audio tech got screwed up. It was a great interview, as you well know, despite probably varying political sympathies. Um, you would not strange bedfellows. Jim Goad is a, uh, uh, is, a, is a friend of mine. I, I don't think I'm out of line to describe him as a friend of mine, despite his uh, his work at Tacky Magazine. Answer Me, uh, and Redneck Manifesto, and all of the other other books. Uh, we were originally set up um, on like a blind date by Gavin McInnes way back when, and I think Gavin McInnes, you know, viewed it as a as a battle of a battle of the really bright, uh, a race battle of the really bright guys. And I kind of told them both. I said, I'm the wrong guy. I'm just I don't give a shit about that shit that you guys are talking about. 
and uh, and yeah, but you were. You know, I've been. You're more impressed with my blackness than I am. I wake up every day. I don't go. Oh, oh shit, it's a black guy in the mirror. I don't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, you know. So, uh, but at that point, I found him engaging and amusing in, in a very uh, edgy way. People, when they find this out, typically what happens, like when Anthony Fantano became a big Oxbow booster, people will come to me and, uh, uh, you know, say, well, he said this and he said that. And I go, it's got nothing to do with my shit. It's not nothing. I, in in the amount of time I spend with the guy, both him and other reprobates like uh, Boyd Rice, they're unfailingly polite to me. Tend to be bright guys, you know. Um, and you know, are they out there fucking slinging steel, racist ideology? I don't know, but they're okay to me. So, and I know that doesn't excuse, but I'm not signing on to the agitprop. But you know, I'll listen to anybody. I'll listen to anybody. You know, act on what anybody says. It's a very different thing. So he interviews me about the fights, and in, in talking about the, the Fury Wilder fight, not even thirty seconds in, he he just pauses and goes, "Okay, the race angle." <laughs> I go, "How did I know it was going to end up here, Jim? The race angle? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me?" He's like, "No, man. This, you know, he came in and the hip hop guy was saying, I'm black, I'm black.' I'm black. I said, uh, I said, hey, look, Jim.'" Do you think Japanese guys ride around in Toyotas and Hondas thinking like, yeah, I got you fucking round eyes. <laughs> you think they do it? No, man, I'm just driving. I'm just driving. I'm just a Japanese guy driving my fucking car. I'm not even thinking about that stuff. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, I mean, and you got to understand if you're a combat athlete, like I've said before, the most important person to you in the ring or the cage is that guy that you're fighting. Your fortunes are directly connected to him. Now, after the second fight, the, after the second Wilder Fury fight, there was some bad blood because of accusations of cheating and so on and so forth. And, you know, there was not the warrior well-met thing afterward. I didn't, you know, I, I had to, I know I had to do go to show right after, so I didn't see a lot of the post-fight stuff. I don't know whether whether uh, 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 Wilder, you know, did the right thing and, and came correct. Um, I don't know if he did that. I I, I I have no idea. But it was it was and I, boxing to me seems now like it's like uh, MMA soccer. <laughs> Shorter rounds, more of them. You can go get a beer or a drink or a sandwich and disappear. And you haven't really missed much. And if you do miss much, you hear the announcers scream and they immediately show it in replay two or three times. So you're not really missing much. So you can, it, there's more leeway than MMA where they've got 15 fights in the car. They got a schedule to keep. You hear a scream, you run back, they show it once and you're done. Unless, of course, it's a gruesome injury and then they sell, show it until you're vomiting on yourself. Oopsie is good for that. So, um, so, but this as a boxing seems both slow and exceedingly brutal to me now that I've just been, I've just been watching, uh, uh, ah, happy birthday, Mr. JW. Don't think we forgot. Don't think we forgot. I was waiting for you to show up to say, to say your happy birthday. I'm not even going to ask you how old you are because I'm sure it's disgustingly young and, uh, then, it'll, then I want to kill you. So uh, we just, just, yeah. yeah. So everybody, is, it's JW's birthday. 
Um, yeah, MMA. So, so um, I, 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 it seems exceedingly brutal to me because target zones are the face, the body, the face, the body. And then, of course, I, my brain has to click. When they clinch, then I'm like thinking something else is going to happen, and it doesn't. <laughs> oh, really? Hey, man, somebody told me it was your birthday. <laughs> ah, my research department, <laughs> my research department made a mistake then. Well, anyway, happy birthday, February 16th. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so the fight, once you kind of get into the rhythm of what was happening, target zones, gut face, gut face, it was really a beautiful fight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, so 31, Jesus Christ Almighty. Yeah, uh, like Picasso said to his son, You're young, I'm old, I wish you were dead. Um, in actual fact, that's a real quote. Um, so it was a beautiful fight. It was as boxers go, they're claiming now it was one of the classic boxing matches of all time, and I Hey, you got to read the substack. You're 57 minutes late. We can't go into this. But I wasn't, didn't quit Ozzy. I was terminated from Ozzy for refusing to pull down the substack that they told me I could do. So all of it is in this week's substack and in last week's substack. So that should catch you up. So it was, was it, it was it, I mean, I've seen a lot of these classic battles. My grandfather was a big fight fan. So I've been watching from black and white TVs in the 60s, I've been watching boxing matches, and I would say it was up there. Yeah, it's not Ali Frazier, but it was it was it was solid entertainment, which makes up for the stinking oopsie on which I had two cares on like a 14 fight card, two cares scored with a Randy Brown win and lost to Mackenzie Dern. If you listen to Care Don't Care Tomorrow, Steph went off on Mackenzie Dern. We, we differed aggressively different in, in, in the hows and whys. From Steph's point of view, Mackenzie Dern has fallen in love with her hands and didn't take her down, didn't take Rodriguez down. I say she couldn't and was discouraged and decided to try to fake it and wing it and got and got roached. That was she was my pick, as was she was a Vegas line favorite. And so we 50-50 lost. Uh, uh, I think John had five or six pairs because, of course, he's playing he's playing win, don't lose. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it was, it was a, a, a it would have been Randy Brown, a, a flash of greatness, completely worthwhile, a race of Mackenzie Dern stink out of my head, make the jump over to Wilder and Fury. This, you know, I, I, you know, Wilder's a New York guy. You'd think my heart would go out to him and Jim Goad saying the race angle, <laughs> like I'm going to pick Wilder because he's, he's from New York and he's black. Come on. What is that? You know, and you got to understand that Fury, nobody's thinking that nobody in the UK is thinking, uh, thinking that, uh, well, I picked, I picked Dern too. Nobody in the UK is thinking that, that, that Fury is white. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Randy Brown's got some of that Sakuraba vibe that I love so much. So, you know, I got a friend, my friend Declan says, yeah, you know, I go to, to London and I ask for directions. And people will freeze me out because they can hear the trade thin traces of my Irish accent. Fuck those limeys. I think that's what he said. Um, so I don't think, I don't think, you know, look, Tyson Fury is whiter 
uh, than Wilder, Deontay Wilder. But but there's no mistake, and nobody in the UK is like going, "Oh yeah, that, that white guy." <laughs> you know, you know, and the class, I, I, you know, class is, I don't know, I can't figure class out in the UK, but it's complicated. Let me tell you, for the first time ever, next week's fight, next week's oopsie on a 14-card fight, zero cares, zero cares. And not only zero cares, zero cares across the board. Actually, zero cares for me, zero cares for Nash. Steph had one care. She had one care because she's... she's uh. She was, uh, uh, she has one care because she's in the bag for Jim Miller. So I will not be watching the oopsie. Mr. Is didn't watch it last night. My Twitter feed was completely bereft and absent. Anybody talking about anything last night. Steph told me to check out Romanoff. I trained with a guy from Moldova, Moldova, and he's tough as fuck. So I want to see Romanoff, who's like I believe still undefeated, but I can do that without without posting without posting. Who's headlining? Who knows? Don't obviously not enough to nobody cared. Jim Miller wasn't, so even the headliner, Steph Nash, and I blanked. It was slop. I would rather watch my testicles. In actual fact, that's probably what I'll be doing next Saturday night. You know, Agab- Yeah, that was one they wanted me to watch. Agapova. Ah, you did watch it, but you know. So, uh, um, so that's the sum up. So we got, we got. Uh, also, I have to say, there's no such thing really in boxing. Doesn't seem to be because the rewards are commensurate with what they're sacrificing. There doesn't seem to be such a thing as an executive gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right, Mr. Kosinovich is exactly right. Yeah, I mean the thing is, if if you pull off the con, you're golden. If you get busted with your hand in the cookie jar, you're reduced to telling people that I'm a multiple. You, the multiple liar, are reduced to telling people on C- CNBC that I'm a multiple liar. And yet, you haven't addressed any of the claims that have been made. Multiple things. I, you know what? You know what I'm going to say. What they've said to me before. Uh, tell it to the judge. <laughs> tell it to the judge. You fucking prick, you. Tell it to the judge, you stuttering, muttering prick, you. Tell it to the judge. <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm just, the baby goes to sleep around, around 7.30. <laughs> 7.30 or 8, which leaves plenty of time for testicle gazing. Yeah, I, I should go to sleep early. I should go to sleep when she goes to sleep. But, uh, you know, you know I, 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 I can't. I got stuff to do. I got jobs to refuse. <laughs> it seems real shitty to need money and to refuse a job, but why would I take a job with a person who, <laughs> who is a poster child for being a bad boss? I don't know. Anyway, um, also, also, friend of mine texted me in a tizzy on last Monday. Nothing to do with Ozzy, nothing to do with anything. He woke up in the middle of the night, apropos of nothing, shocked. And he goes, is nobody bothered by the fact that Noah was anally raped by his sons? Oh, what do you cut? 
why, why is that my first text from you on Monday morning? He goes, you're okay with this? <laughs> so, of course, I had to reread the Noah story. And sure enough, who knew? <laughs> that seems to make uh, family relations a little bit uncomfortable. And now you all know. So in addition to the Barabbas effect, <laughs> in addition to the Barabbas effect, we now have Noah family values as practiced by every bad boss in America. I got nothing. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's, I got nothing. The Noah story, the text came out of the blue, woke the guy up in the middle of the night. He's like, you ever think about that? And I was like, uh, no, no. <laughs> he goes, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. I go, I, I know. Don't tell me any more of it, please. Thank you. Thank you. And good night. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's a good one, Richard. That's a good one. Yeah. That, who knew? Who knew Connor McAnal was in the Bible? Who knew? Anyway, um, read the Substack, Eugene S. Robinson.substack.com. Check it out. Um, I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks, all the things that I've concealed from you. Um, <laughs> sorry, man. All of <laughs> All of the <laughs> yeah, all the things I can steal from you, I can share either next week or the week after. There will be no substacks on public masturbation unless they let Anthony Weiner out again. Um, <laughs> you know, Tom Cruise has got that range. He coming straight off of Where My Bitches At, the Tupac Shakur biopic with Tom Cruise playing Tupac Shakur. He would kill as Eugene S. Robinson in The Wizard of Ozzy, and I'm going to actually send him an email suggesting that. So uh, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, Care Don't Care at noon, Tuesday night, Nash makes an appearance replacing the peripatetic Kid Nate on If the Shoes Fit. Try to stay alive until next Sunday, a new substack, but read the present one. I don't expect to get 45,000 people reading the present one, part two of the Aussie piece. And I say, I'm not going to write about it again until they're indictments. Read it. Presuming we're all alive in seven days, we'll see you then. I'll put up a link if you follow me on at Eugene S. Robinson on the Twitter machine. I'll put up a link to this TV show thing I'm doing tomorrow at 1030. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. That, yeah, that, 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 that's all I got. And the kid's not here, so I can end the show the way I used to end the show. Look what you made me do! You see how it all works? It's all circular. It all, it's all together.